let's take our Bibles together, please, to the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 5, we're going verse by verse through the Bible, this book of the Bible, to see what God says, and we're opening our hearts to Him in that regard. And we're in the last chapter of this epistle, 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, and we've arrived at verse number 14, and we'll see three verses this morning about a subject that probably is not spoken of very much, but prayers we should not pray. How about that for a subject? Prayers we should not pray. So we're going to be talking about prayer this morning from the Bible, and um, let's look at it together. First John chapter 5 and verse number 14, the Bible says, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. Prayer is always a subject that is necessary and needed to be expounded upon and people to be reminded of. Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Probably if we are not praying, we are fainting. And the Bible lets us know in no uncertain terms, if you've studied the Bible, you understand that prayer is an essential ingredient. Many times you cannot, you should not do any more than pray until you have prayed. Jesus Christ being our example, if there was ever a man that did not need to pray, it would have been the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's God in the flesh. He did all those things that pleased the Father. He was sinless. He was the perfect Son of God, and yet He saw the need to pray and to pray fervently, and to pray often, and to pray all night. I would say if Jesus let prayer be an important part of his life, how much more should you and I be people of prayer? And I I think our prayerlessness probably is the one of the big reasons for our weaknesses. I think our prayerlessness is probably one of the reasons for our ineffectiveness that we have. I think our church would be filled with more power and more blessing and more help if we were people of prayer. There used to be a generation that knew how to pray and prayed much, and that was a different generation. I'm not so sure that this generation even knows how to pray. You know, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, you know, I'm sure they heard a lot of prayers. They heard them from the rabbi. They heard them in the synagogue. But they came to Jesus and said, would you teach us to pray? Because they knew that their prayers weren't like his prayers. And I think we still need to learn to pray. And more than learning to pray, we need to pray. And I don't know anybody in here that prays enough. If there's any hope for your family, you need to pray. If there's any hope for your marriage or your children, you need to pray. If there's ever been a need in our country for people to pray, it's today. But I I just really believe that probably there is less prayer going on in the hearts and lives of people today than probably ever before. And then we wonder why things turn out the way we do. But, but this morning's message, I hope it will be an encouragement to you to pray. But 
It's also an encouragement to you about prayers not to pray. Now, it's, it's just spelled out here in one of our verses, verse 16. He says, there is a sin unto death. The end of verse 16. I do not say that he shall pray. For. There are some things that you should not pray for. You should not pray about someone that has committed a sin unto death. Now, you say, well, what is that sin? Well, you'll probably have to come back the next time to hear that, that message. This is not a message on the sin unto death, but we'll deal with that. This is a message on prayers that you should not pray. And the first thing I want you to notice is how we started verse 14. Would you look at it with me, please? The Bible says, and this is the confidence that we have in Him. Can I tell you this morning, if your confidence is anywhere but in the Lord God, it is a misplaced confidence. The only confidence that any of us should have or could have in life is confidence in Him. And so many times people get off track in their lives, they get discouraged because somebody else let them down or somebody disappointed them or, or they put someone up on a pedestal and then that person fell down and then their world crashes and over. Your confidence should not be in anyone else but the Lord God. He says, that, and this is the confidence that we have in Him. And that should be the same even with our praying. Your confidence ought to be in a God that says that His ears are open unto your prayer. 1 Peter chapter 3. He's a big God and your con- our confidence ought to be in Him. He's bigger than the stock market. He's bigger than the economy. He's bigger than the war in Ukraine. He's bigger than the upheaval of your life. He's bigger than your health problems. And there's nothing like the devil chipping away at our confidence in God. Now, if the confidence in us is chipped away, that's all right, because you shouldn't be having confidence in yourself anyway. The Bible says, have no confidence in the flesh. But you ought to have confidence in God. And people don't pray because I, don't, I think they don't have confidence in God. Matter of fact, that word confidence is a very interesting word. It occurs three times in this book. Are we living in a, in, a, in a day where people don't have a lot of confidence? Now, either they have no confidence or they're so proud they have too much confidence and they need their, neck, their legs knocked out from it, but it's, it's usually one or the other. You know, the Bible, this book talks about confidence. Look at chapter, uh, chapter 3. Three times he talks about confidence. He says in 1 John chapter 3, you remember when we were there? 1 John chapter 3, verse 19, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. Verse 20, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. You know, you ought to have confidence that God is greater than your feelings. God's greater than your emotions. God's greater than what you can think or know. And this more is about salvation. We ought to have confidence in God that He is going to save and He is going to keep us safe. If we trust His Son, that God, we have the confidence in God that He keeps our salvation. And it doesn't matter how my heart makes me feel. I've got confidence in God. I don't have confidence in my heart. I've got confidence this morning in regard to my salvation, no matter how I feel. I may get Alzheimer's and lose my mind and forget what I even did, but God never forgot when I trusted His Son. I've got confidence in Him that He will keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. Also, confidence. look at chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2. Not only confidence in our salvation, 
in God about our salvation. But First John chapter 2, the Bible says this. He says in verse number 28, And now, little children, First John 2, 28, Abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. You can have confidence about the life that you're living so that when you meet God, things will be, when you meet Jesus, you won't be ashamed and everything will be well because you've lived a life that's been pleasing to Him. I don't think every Christian has confidence for the day they'll face Jesus about the, about the story of their life. But you should have. If you'll abide in Him, if you'll live for Him, if you'll put Him first, you can have confidence about the fact that when you meet Him and He looks back on your life, He can say, good job, but only if you abide in Him. Confidence about your life, confidence about your salvation. But what about our verse, verse 14 of chapter 5? And this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. We ought to have confidence in our praying. Confidence in our praying. Do you have confidence in your praying? Now, before you can have confidence in your praying, you've got to understand what prayers you ought not be praying. You know, some people say, well, I prayed about this, I prayed about this other thing, it never happened, and God let me down, or this didn't come to pass. Well, the first rule of prayer is there are some prayers you should not pray. And what is that first thing that, what, what is that first prayer that we should not pray? Look at your verse again, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His what? Will, He heareth us. You know the prayer you should not pray? You should not pray prayers that are not His will. Because it, I'll, just, I'll just be very honest with you. If you pray prayers that are not His will, He's not going to hear you. Our verse says, this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. He is going to listen to my prayer if my prayer is according to His will. If it's not according to His will, you, you, you just don't waste your time. Hold your finger there. Look at James chapter. You know where I'm going, James. You that have studied your Bible, James chapter 4. What prayer should I not pray? Guys, we pray about so many things. That I would say maybe, maybe even a majority of our prayer life is wasted, is wasted speech because it, it's requests that have nothing to do with the will of God. Look at James chapter 4. I'm just not trying to get people to pray. I want people to pray according to His will. Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be an amazing thing? How many prayers do you think are prayed to God in a day across this globe? And how many of them are according to His will? And how many of them are according to the person's will that's praying the prayer? James chapter 4, watch it. He says in verse number 3, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. You know what the majority of people's praying is about? It's praying about things they want. Here's my question. What if what you want is not what God wants? That, that, that's rough. You say, well, how could it not be what God wants? Because God, God's wanter is different than your wanter. You know, I prayed about a lot of things that God didn't want me to pray about. I wanted it. 
I thought, I thought, no reason. He shouldn't want it. But boy, the more I live, I find out the things that I want are not the things that He wants. So my prayer's wasted. You, now, now you say, well, how do I know if it's just... Oh, maybe we ought to spend more time trying to discern His will than just praying about things that we don't even know what His will is. God, teach me Your will. Teach me to know Your will. Lead me in Your will. You'll never know the will of God if you're not right with God. You'll never know the will of God if you're not walking with God. We'll never know the will of God if, we, if the mind of Christ is not doing our thinking. I'm telling you prayers that we should not pray. We should not pray prayers that are contrary to the will of God because they will not be heard. Look at Romans chapter 8. I'll show it to you again. Romans chapter 8. Now the truth is, here's the truth. None of us in here, God even tells us this, none of us know how to pray as we ought to pray. <laughs> the best of us, we would, have to, we would have to agree with God and say, yes, Lord, you're right. I don't really know what I'm, 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 I should pray. No matter how spiritual I get, a lot of times my prayers are not God's will. Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, the Bible says in verse number 26, watch this. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. That's a, that's a blanket statement from God that you don't even know what the will. I get so fascinated with people that are convinced they know what the will of God is, and then when they pursue it and it doesn't work out, they blame God, but instead of blaming the fact that they missed the will of God. The truth is we don't know what we pray, what we should pray for is what. The truth is so many times we are oblivious to the will of God because we are concerned with our own desire and our own will and it gets in the way of God's will. I'm not even talking about bad things and sinful things. I'm just talking about things of life. None of us know how to pray as we ought. So you know what God did for us? Look at, look at the verse again. Romans eight twenty six. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with, with, with groanings which cannot be uttered. What a wonderful thing. If you're saved by the grace of God, if you're a child of God, if you know that you've been born again, the Holy Ghost of God, the Spirit of God dwells in your heart and He helps your prayer. Have you ever watched somebody pray or seen somebody pray that couldn't even put it into words and all they could do was cry and all they could do was weep and they couldn't even verbalize a prayer to God? But the Spirit of God can take a wordless prayer and turn it into a powerful intercession. That was Hannah as she prayed. That was so many prayers in the Bible. Nehemiah as he prayed, he was in front of the king. He couldn't say audible words. What about people that are, that, that, that are, they don't have, they have a speech impediment. They can't even talk. They can have a prayer. Because prayer is not just something with your voice. It's something from your heart. And the Spirit of God takes that heart. And he makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. But look at the next verse. Watch it now. 27. And he that searcheth the heart. You know what? God, boy, this is good. I don't know that I'm going to get through with the message this morning. But the Bible is so rich in what it's trying to tell us. 
The Spirit of God in you, if you're saved, it searches your heart. And when you're praying and you're asking God for whatever, the Spirit can see if your heart is right with God and if your heart wants your will or if your heart wants His will. He that searcheth the hearts, watch it, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because He maketh intercession for the saints, look at it, according to the will of God. You know what? The truth is it doesn't matter how much I pray or how much I weep that the Spirit of God will only take that prayer that's according to the will of God and present it before the Father above. That the Lord Jesus Christ will only present that petition that's according to... Can you imagine Jesus uh, interceding for us? You know, he's, He ever lived to make intercession for us. Isn't that what the Bible says about Jesus? Can you imagine Jesus turning to the Father and said, Father, I know you don't want this to happen, but you know what she wants? He's not going to do that. <laughs> Come here, listen. If it's not His will, it don't get to the throne. It doesn't even get to the throne. Because He makes intercessions according to the will of God. You say, that's terrible. No, that's a blessing. How many times have I prayed and asked for things that if God would have given me my request, it would have been a disaster in my life. Thank you, Lord, for unanswered prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you hear only the prayers that are according to your will and not my will. Even our Savior, when He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, He says, let this cup pass. Not nevertheless. Not my will, but thine be done. What an example for our lives. This is real praying. Prayers that are according to the will of God always get answered. By the way, good news for you. If you're here this morning, listen to me now. This is, this is very important. If you're in here this morning and you don't know that you're born again, you do not know that you have eternal life, you're not sure that if you're saved. You know how many times I've talked to people about their soul and I've told them, hey, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you need to call on Him in faith, in repentance. You need to do that. And they say, well, I, I just don't know if He'll hear me. I, I don't know if He'd receive me. You know what the good thing about God is? He said He is not willing that any should perish, but but that all should come to repentance. There's never been a sinner that prayed a prayer of repentance that didn't get answered. Because it's always His will to save sinners. Isn't that great? Isn't that a great promise from the Bible? If it's according to my will, I hear it. Well, God, it's God's willing for you to come to repentance. God's willing for you to be saved. That prayer never goes unanswered. How do you know? Well, that's what He said. Is it God's will for me to be saved? Is it God's will for me to believe on His Son? Absolutely. God's not willing that I go to hell. He didn't want that to happen. So when I pray a prayer of salvation, I know it'll be answered. Because I know He wants to save me. And I have that confidence in Him. Now wait a minute. You said, preacher, I prayed for other people to be saved and they didn't get saved. What about that? I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and they didn't get saved. Well, this is also not God's will. It's not God's will to force anybody to trust Christ. It is not God's will to override your will. 
So yes, God's willing to save any sinner, but God will not save a sinner that don't want to be saved. Well, what do we do? We pray God work on their heart. Because the problem's not with God, the problem's with the sinner. That's what we pray. But God always answers prayers that are according to His will. Prayers that should not be prayed. Now, our text says, remember back to the sin unto death, the end of verse 16? There is a sin unto death, I do not say that he shall pray for it. I told you I'm not going to get into that, get into that next time. But it is not God's will to heal or help a Christian who commits a sin unto death. I'll give you one illustration before I move on. Samuel prayed and prayed and prayed and begged God for Saul. And God finally told Saul, get up off your face, quit that. I've rejected Saul. I'm going to kill Saul. I've made up my mind about Saul. And it doesn't matter how much you pray, Samuel. I'm through with Saul. And when a person sins a sin unto death, God says, all right, I'm through with you. And he says, it doesn't matter how much you pray about this. When I've made a, a decision, I've made a decision. Now, we'll get into more of that later. So prayers I should not pray, I should not pray about a brother that sends a sin unto death. I should not pray about things with unconfessed sin in my life. It's not God's will to answer prayers when you have unconfessed sin in your heart. Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Here's what I'm saying. You, you might as well not even pray a prayer if you've got unconfessed sin in your life. He's not listening. That's prayers you shouldn't pray. You know there are some saved people that hadn't got a prayer answered in years. Years! Because they've had a sin in their life that they never would deal with. And God says, you've got to get that sin taken care of before you talk to me about other things. And if there's something wrong in your heart this morning, if there's something dirty in your heart this morning, let me tell you, as a saved person, if there's something in your heart not right with God, God will not hear another prayer you pray until you get right with God. Doesn't matter what it's about. You might as well just not even waste your breath praying. Because you've got to get right with God. For the Lord to hear your prayer. You know that happened in the Old Testament, an example of that. You remember Joshua? God came to Joshua after Moses died and he said, you're going to lead my people in the, in the promised land. And God told Joshua, there's nobody that's only going to be able to stand before you. I'm going to give you total and complete victory, Joshua, and I'm with you. And they, they go in the land and they defeat Jericho. And then they come to a little town and they get whipped at Ai. And people die. And Joshua gets on his face before God and he starts praying and says, God, you told me I would be victorious. And God, you let me down. And God, what's going on? You know what God told Joshua? In essence, get off your face and quit praying. You've got sin to deal with first. Do you see the correlation? And until you get... The sin in the camp taken care of. All the praying in the world is not going to avail for your life. 
You've got to take care of this. And of course, Joshua didn't know that. He wasn't aware of that. But how many times are we not aware of something in our lives that aren't right? And we need to go to God and say, God, search me. That's why before you ever get down to serious praying, you ought to get down to serious open-heartedness to God to search your heart so the prayer can be effective. So they dealt with their sin and then God heard and answered just as He will with us. It's not His will to answer prayer with unconfessed sin. I'll give you a third thing about this. It's not His will to answer prayers He's already told you know about. If you already know what the answer is, I'll give you another illustration here. Remember Paul? Oh God, take away this thorn out of my flesh. Or it says no. Oh God, please, please, please take away this thorn out of my flesh. The Lord says, No, Paul, I'm not going to do that. The third time, oh God. Hey, Paul, quit praying that prayer to me. I already told you the answer. Do you get the illustration? You know what we do with our praying? We try to talk God into our will. (laughs) And we think if we'll do it long enough and hard enough that finally He'll just cave in. But you know what? God is not like you are with your kids. You got that illustration, don't you? If they beg hard enough or long enough, even if it's not, okay, if you'll just shut up here. Not God. And Paul is not praying for something wicked. He just wants the thorn in the flesh to be gone. But God wants His grace magnified in Paul's life. God wants Paul's weakness to let the power of God and the strength of God. So many times weakness and bad things happen so that God can do greater things than than, than, than the bad thing. Why wouldn't it be God's will to take away my thorn in the flesh? I don't know. But he told you no, so quit praying about it, Paul. He did. I was thinking this morning about one illustration about that. You remember when Moses sinned against God? And God says, you're not going in the land. How many of you remember that? Remember that? You know, that's one of the saddest, that's one of the saddest stories in the Bible. Here's a guy... <laughs> that spent 40 years trying to lead the children of Israel in the wilderness. And because he did one thing, he did one thing God told him not to do. He disobeyed God one time because of the pressure. Are you listening to me? Because of the pressure of the murmuring and the complaining of all the people. And he smote that rock when he was supposed to speak to that rock. And God says, all right, you disobeyed me. You don't get to go in the promised land. My whole life, and I don't get to go in the promise. Get right up to the edge, and God says, you can't, can't take a step foot in there. You know what the Bible says in Deuteronomy at the end of Moses' life? He gets a hold of God. Now, now nobody talks to God like Moses, remember? You don't have a prayer like, like Moses. <laughs> God talked with Moses like a man talks with his friend face to face. That's how close they were. And at the end of his life, Moses came to God and said, God, you know, I've got this right. I confessed it. But, you know, this has been such a journey. Would you please, please let me go on on the 
please. I, I just want, before I die, I just want to step in that promised land. You know what God told Moses? Don't speak to me anymore about this. You know why? Because he already told him. And when God gives you an answer, you don't keep trying to talk him into it. Prayers we should not pray, and all of that falls under this one category. We should not pray prayers that are not according to the will of God. Second thing, would you go back to our text in 1 John? These two will go by real fast. 1 John chapter 5, he says in verse number 15, And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. Now watch how it's worded. It says, if we know. In other words, if you're convinced that He's hearing us, if you have faith, if you have confidence that He's heard your prayer, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions. We get the petitions when we know that He hears us, when we have confidence that He hears us. Now hold your finger right there and turn back to James now, chapter 1. Because the first prayer we should not pray is a prayer that is not according to the will of God. The second prayer we should not pray is a prayer of faithlessness or a prayer of unbelief. James chapter 1, look at, look at it with me please. James 1 and verse number 5. James 1 5, there are people in your life that need your prayers. This church needs your prayers. You need your own prayers. Your family needs you. This country needs you. There are lost people that need your prayers. We need to be praying people. But we've got to get this stuff out of the way first. James chapter 1, watch. Verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, well, I don't know what the will of God is. Well, here you you go. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. That is an answer to prayer. Verse 6. But let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Watch verse 7. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. He says, if you don't believe me while you're praying, don't pray the prayer because it's not going to be heard. I'm not going to answer. I'm not going to hear. You say, well, why in the world would I be praying if I didn't believe he would answer? Guys, we go through the motion of so much faithless praying. You know how hypocrites pray? Or religious people pray? They use vain repetitions or just say stuff they don't mean. Or they just get in the habit. Lord, pray, bless me, bless kids, give you a good night, amen. Or we do it like our food. Thank you, Lord, for the food. Sometimes we're not even thinking about our food, and we're not even thinking about things. We're just, we're just saying it. You know, I have been in some churches where people have taken out their paper and read it. I've always thought that is just so intriguing. You had to read it? Is this for us, or is it for God? I've heard people say, Preacher, don't call on me in prayer in public. We're not listening to your prayer. We want God to listen to your prayer. And if we're just going through the motions, it doesn't mean anything because prayer has to be by faith or it shouldn't be prayed. How many times do we go through the motions of prayer, but we really don't even believe what we're praying? And God says, you should not pray prayers when you don't even have faith that they can be answered. 
You know, I really believe that's what happened with Peter. Remember when Peter was in jail? They killed James and they're, they're praying, oh God, let Peter out of jail. And God lets Peter out of jail. But you know what? God did not let Peter out of jail because of their prayer meeting. Because God didn't even listen to their praying. You say, how do you know that? Because they didn't even believe he could do it. Because when he did it, he came to the door and knocked on the door. They said, oh, he, Peter's not here. They told Rhoda, they said, you're crazy. You're nuts. Peter's not here. They're so convinced. Oh, God, let Peter go. Hey, Peter's at the door. Oh, hush. You mean you're going through the motions of prayer and you don't even believe what you're praying? God didn't let Peter out of jail because of their faithless praying. God let Peter out of jail because he wanted Peter out of jail. I wonder... Oh, God, do this. Oh, God, give revival. Do we even believe what we're praying? Or are we just being spiritual about it? He says you've got to ask in faith. If you don't ask in faith, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. No faith, no answer. God does answer prayer, but you've got to believe that. Because whatsoever is not of faith is sin. We should not pray prayers contrary to the will of God. We should not pray prayers in unbelief. And then lastly, would you go back to our text in 1 John chapter 5. He says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 16, If any man see his brother... Sin of sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. We should not pray prayers contrary to the will of God. We should not pray prayers in unbelief. And listen, we should not pray prayers only about ourselves. The context of this praying is a brother that's in a sin. Guys, do you know how many, how many of our prayers are just about me? Don't pray prayers that are just about you. Pray prayers for brethren that are in sin. Pray for them. Do you have a prayer list of people that are in sin that you're praying for, how do we ever expect God to really work in people's hearts that are out in left field when we're not praying out in left field? And I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for my need. I'm praying for my heartache. I'm praying for my health. Instead of praying for His health and His need and and her family. and Guys, if we would add up all of our prayers that were for other people than ourselves, it would probably show us how little our praying is. I've said before, the thing that's wrong with people is that nobody prays for them. I am a product. Look at me right here. I am standing in this church this morning because somebody prayed for me. I am a product of prayer. And intercession. From the cradle to this moment. The only reason. Because somebody interceded 
from me. Now go get you a phone book and scroll through the thousands of names and ask yourself who's praying for those people. You know prayers we shouldn't pray? Prayers are just about us. So I challenge you this morning. How's your prayer life? Do you believe that God wants to talk to you? Do you believe that God wants you to talk to Him? His ears are open. Maybe this morning you need to pray the prayer of salvation. You need to be saved this morning. Maybe you need to pray the prayer of confession of some sin because you haven't had a prayer answered in a month of Sundays because you know something's not right in your heart and God's not listening to you until you get it right. Maybe that's the prayer you need to pray. And maybe this morning you need to get a bigger burden for somebody else than you have for yourself.